Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. We are in this series, Neighborhood Watch, what it means to love your neighbor. And each week, Chip set us up last week with an interesting story about a neighbor and then said, like, hey, we're going to have an interesting story each week about neighbors. I'm like, well, I don't know any stories about neighbors. But then I started thinking and realized, wait a minute, I've been the interesting neighbor. Um, There was a time in college, uh, freshman year, living in the dorms, and you guys are already thinking, oh boy, what's going to happen? We... I lived beside a guy who had this habit of leaving his dorm unlocked. And as his neighbor, and me and my roommate and another guy, we thought, well, maybe we could teach him a lesson, right? And so we decided as friendly neighbors, one day when he left his dorm unlocked, we went into the dorm and we set up a hidden camera and um, we proceeded to take anything of value out of his dorm and we kind of threw things around a little bit and we waited and we waited and then he came now mind you this he wasn't a small guy this guy was buff he was big and he walked into this dorm and you could see it on the video and he kind of walks in and he pauses and he just looks around And let me say, his reaction was not that of a joyful reaction. Um, I'm going to leave it there for now. I'll just let you guys rest in suspense of what what happened after that. But what's interesting is, one thing I knew for sure is that my buddy, my, my neighbor, he had an expectation of walking into his dorm and it being left alone and clean and tidy. When he walked into that dorm room, all expectations were failed. His expectations of what he wanted and what he thought he was going to get had been completely shattered. You know, as Christians, as humans, let alone being Christians, there is nothing quite so bad as walking into a situation with certain expectations in mind and having them not met. There's nothing worse than what it feels like to have someone disregard our feelings To have someone seemingly ignore what we wanted and they do their own thing. There is nothing quite so bad as being slighted by somebody that we thought cared for us. Who we thought should be caring for us. But what's interesting about us as Christians is that the rest of the world may react one way when they feel slighted, when they get offended, when they feel disregarded. But as Christians, we are actually called to something different. We're called to be set apart. You see, when the rest of the world wants to isolate themselves, when they say, I'm done with that person over there because they offended me in this way, as Christians, we're called to go and do something different. And if you're asking me, this is where loving our neighbor becomes quite difficult. That command, love God, 
love your neighbor. And we often think to ourselves, yeah, I can love God. I can do that. Yeah, perfect. But if I start naming certain names to all of us, and I'm like, are you loving them as a Christian brother and sister? All of a sudden, things begin to change. Our attitude changes, and we immediately start justifying our actions. Well, you don't know them the way I do. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. And we begin justifying our actions just like the rest of the world. But we are called to something different. And so we have to ask the question, why? Why is it so important for us to be different? Why is it so important for us to make sure that we are not isolating ourselves like the rest of the world in the midst of our frustration when expectations are not met? Why is it so important for us to be different from the rest of the world in this area? Especially when things seem to be unfair, when we have been slighted, when we have been offended. You know, we're in this series, Neighborhood Watch, talking about what it means to actually truly love our neighbor. Last week, Pastor Chip walked us through the story of the Good Samaritan as we learned the fundamentals, the foundation of loving our neighbor. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to love the person on the other side of the room even when you feel slighted by them. When you feel hurt or offended or disregarded by them, what does it look like to truly love them in the midst of the frustration. So we're going to be in Ephesians 4 today. And I would invite you to join us. And as we jump into Ephesians 4, one thing that we should know about this particular piece of scripture is that right before this, right before Ephesians 4 gets started, Paul, the author, has just told his readers, hey, Jesus is the reason for everything. And it's through him that he is able to do anything more than anything that we could ever possibly think or imagine and it's for him glory is reserved so we're in ephesians 4 today ephesians 4 starting in verse 1 says this as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received verse 2 be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love we're going to stop here real quick. You know, right before this, just as I said, we're, t- we're given this explanation of who Jesus is, that he can do far more than we could ever think or imagine. And because of this then, Paul then comes in and says, therefore, because of this fact, because we know that Jesus can do far more than anything we could ever think or imagine, we need to stop limiting ourselves to our own expectations. We need to stop limiting ourselves We need to stop limiting others, and we need to stop limiting Jesus to our expectations. So now, in every situation you find yourself, it's time that we begin to live into the calling that we have received. So instead, our calling is to be humble and gentle. Now, uh, as, as humans, we often think, well, okay, I can be humble, I can be humble, and we think to ourselves, as long as I think bad thoughts about myself, as long as I'm thinking, woe is me, that's humble, right? No. Because in the midst of that thought process, you're still focusing on yourself. That's not humility. That's just giving yourself a little pity party. To be humble is not to think less of yourself. 
but rather thinking of ourselves less. Not so much, not so often. Why do we get so bent out of shape when things don't go our way? It's because we are only focused on ourselves. We get so bent out of shape because all we're thinking about is what we want to get out of a situation. But our frustrations would be less if we started thinking about others more than ourselves, not simply thinking about ourselves in a negative manner. When we begin to approach situations with a spirit of humility, we begin to enter situations with an open mind, ready to see what happens instead of getting ready to defend our way. I mean, think about it. If you go into a situation only thinking about what you're going to get out of it, and when you don't get something out of it, you've walked into that room with fists ready to defend your expectation your way of thinking, your way of doing things. And when you don't get that way, then you walk away and you're ready to fight anybody who's going to take you on. But when you walk into a room with a heart of humility, your, hearts are, your hands are down by your side and you're welcoming anything that might possibly come from that. Knowing, knowing that your expectations aren't the end all. That there might be something greater out there for you to experience other than what you think you want. Humility and gentleness take the focus away from defending ourselves and takes the focus to how we can defend others. But we become isolated as a church. We become isolated as a people because all we can think about is that we know best. No one else in this room could possibly know better than me. I know the answer. So instead of having hearts open to everybody around us, we isolate ourselves. We may not actually fight anyone, but we go to separate sides of the rooms and we just glare at that person like, you, you hurt me. And you're ready to fight them at any turn. But what's interesting is that as we look into Ephesians 4, look at the way that Paul begins this scripture here. It says this, as a prisoner for the Lord. As a prisoner for the Lord. You see, Paul is already seeing himself as a person of low status. He's already seeing himself as the... He's not concerned with getting glory. Let me say, put it that way. He's not walking into situations thinking, what am I going to get out of this? No, no, no. He's concerned at simply serving the Lord. And it's the Lord who will get the glory. He's not concerning himself with being on top. He's only concerning himself with making sure that Jesus, God, is glorified. And we continue then. We see that not only is it a spirit of humility and gentleness, but we're told that we are to bear with one another in love through patience. And what I love about this, what I love about this here in verse 2, be patient, bearing with one another in love, this word love in the Greek, I'm sure you've heard of it, it's agape. Agape love. And agape love is to literally have in mind somebody else. To have the interests of someone else in mind. It's the same love that God the Father has for us. Now think about this. How often do you offend God the Father? And yet he still reserves agape love for each and every one of us. And this is what we are called to have with our brothers and sisters in Christ. To bear 
with, another, with one another. To bear is to, to endure. It's the same word that Christ also used when he had to endure what he called to be this wicked and twisted generation. But he, he bore with us. He, he endured with us for our benefit. This love, it's not selective. It's not just picking and choosing who you get to love when you want to love them. It's not picking and choosing. Again, it's the same word that God has for us. If you go to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That word love there, it's the same exact agapo. The verb is the same as agape. For God so loved the world. And this is the same love you and I are called to have for one another. Now, hear me out. I'm not suggesting that we all become doormats and that we all allow every bad decision to come through us in the name of love. No, I'm not saying that at all. When something needs to be handled with, yes, we need to handle it. But just like in anything, it's not always what is said, but how it's said that matters. When something is wrong, when someone has done wrong to us, when someone has offended us, we have a couple of different options in how we react to them. I mean, think about it in the way of surgery. If someone needs surgery, there's a couple of different options they can take. They can go to a well-trained surgeon, someone who is used to the feel of a scalpel in their hands and has worked with that and practiced to remove whatever needs to be removed. Or they can go find someone who's swinging a knife around and that person will, well, they'll remove something. But if we go to the person, if we are the person simply swinging a knife around saying, I'm going to remove that thing. They have an issue, they have a problem, I see it and I'm going to remove it. If we're that person just swinging a knife around, ultimately we end up leaving that person worse off than before. Permanently scarred and never the same. But when we are willing to work with the scalpel of truth, when we are willing to work in love and practice in love, and we're willing to take truth and deal with it in love, all of a sudden we can go approach a person who maybe has hurt us or offended us. And we can walk them through the process of what's about to happen. And we can use that scalpel of truth to then make them better so that when they leave us, they are a better Christian than when they were before. We have these options. You see, we have been called to more than just being the guy swinging a knife. A spirit of humility, which is what we're being called to, is out to teach. A spirit of humility is looking to benefit the other, even when they do wrong. A spirit of gentleness wants to restore instead of break down. Loving our neighbor means bearing with them. And when the time calls for it, then to gently and humbly deal with the situation. The question is, are you the person who has done the work to deal gently and humbly? Or are you the person who just reacts off of anything and starts swinging a knife, ready to justify your actions and why you were right? Our question today is, why is it so important to be different than the rest of the world? Because we have received a calling that takes us deeper than ourselves and our own expectations. We know before, go to Ephesians 3. The end of Ephesians 3 tells us that Jesus can do far more abundantly than we could ever imagine or think. 
So why would we limit him with our own expectations? Why do we allow our our expectations to determine how we're going to get along with everybody else around us? When things don't go our way, we have to analyze, why am I so frustrated about this? Am I thinking the best of my brother or sister in Christ? Am I bearing with them patiently and agape love, just as the Father has dealt with me patiently time and time again. When the rest of the world, when the rest of the world wants to justify itself, we know we have already been justified because of our calling. We no longer need to fight for our own expectations when somebody fails to do what we are hoping or expecting. Because we know our calling is greater than our failed expectations. Why is it so important that we are different? Because we have received a calling that takes us deeper than ourselves. And so we continue then in Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, 3, says this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, again, hear me in the midst of this. I'm not saying that love is always personified by letting anything happen, by letting every bad decision to go, or by letting every hurt or offense go without sharing it. I'm not saying that. No one is called to be a doormat here. But, just as it says here in verse 3, make every effort to maintain peace no matter the situation. No matter how mad someone has made you, we are called to go after every effort to maintain the peace. If you've decided in your head not to say anything, if you've been hurt or offended and you say, I'm not going to say anything then your responsibility is that in your mind, you find every effort to be at peace with that individual. Don't sit in your thoughts. Don't dwell in your thoughts. Don't think of every reason of why you have been offended. You made the decision to not say anything, and your responsibility is to now find peace in that decision. And if you've decided to say something, then your responsibility, my responsibility, is to find peace in the midst of saying something. But for us as humans, man, it's easy. It's easy to say, I'm not going to say anything. Because I've been called to preserve the bond of peace with this individual. So I won't say anything to them because I, I don't trust myself. So we walk over here and say, guess what they did? And we begin to share all of our thoughts and negative feelings about that person that we've already said we're going to maintain the peace between. But we go over here and we start complaining about them to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, yeah, you've maybe maintained the peace with that individual. But you walk over here and you begin to tear at the peace between them and other individuals. Or you think about it and you dwell on the thoughts and the offenses. And, yeah, you may have pseudoly maintain the peace with this individual, but in your heart, have you actually maintained peace? You see, our calling, our calling takes us beyond what the rest of the world does. Make every effort to maintain peace. Every effort. Friends, 
loving our neighbor is difficult. I mean, is there anyone in this room? Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. Is there anyone in this room who has never been offended by another person in this room? Is there anybody in this room who has never wanted to lash out with a swinging knife at somebody else in this room? And yet we are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to be different. We are called to be the image of Christ. And what's even more beautiful and makes this even more difficult, honestly, it says here, there is one body. One body of Christians. So the minute that we try and isolate ourselves is the minute that we no longer reach our potential of becoming most like Christ. The minute that we want to isolate ourselves from the brother or sister who has offended or hurt us, we then also keep them from reaching their potential of growing most like Christ. The minute that we want to tear and, 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 and break down someone for what they did was wrong, that is the minute that we stop the body of Christ from reaching its potential. There is one body and one spirit. One body, one spirit. Just because you would disagree with someone doesn't mean that they don't have the Holy Spirit working in them. Just because someone has made a mistake that hurt you or offended you or failed your expectation doesn't mean that they don't have the Holy Spirit working inside them. And just because you were right, just because you made the right decision, doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit in you is better than the Holy Spirit living in somebody else. Because there is one body and there is one Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same in all of us who have placed our faith in Christ because there is only one Spirit. This then should affect the way that we treat people around us, how we talk about them, how we think about them because we know that even though they are imperfect, we are united together in one body by one Spirit. And let us never forget that we too are imperfect. You may be thinking of every person in this room who has offended you. Guess what? They are also thinking of you in the midst of you offending them. Amen? And so if we can't remain unified as one body through one Spirit, we will then isolate ourselves and we won't be effective at all for the kingdom work that God has invited us to. One body, one spirit. If we lose the bond of peace, if we refuse to make every effort, we then lose part of the body that we belong to. Just as if I cut off my hand right now, I then lose this part. This is what happens when we isolate ourselves from other Christians. We say, I can do this on my own, I don't need them. Fine, try being just the hand without the rest of the body and see how that works out for you. We can't do that. We don't have individual Holy Spirits that are rivals against one another. We have one Holy Spirit that is working together to unify us. Being together and unified will always be better than being isolated and separate, no matter how much someone has offended you. You know, my buddy, my neighbor, when he entered into that room, and we got all of this on video. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. I know some of you are thinking, 
he's our pastor? This was my freshman year of college, just remember that. He walked in this room, and I thought heads were going to go flying. He was livid, so mad, rightfully so, right? I mean, he's, he doesn't know that this is a prank. He legitimately thinks that someone has now stolen all of his valuable things. Well, eventually, though, we then, trying to prevent from utter chaos from occurring, we then run in there, hey, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We have all of your stuff. We, we were the guys who took it. And you could just see, like, oh, he just wanted to take us and throw us against the wall, and I thought he was going to. But eventually, he cooled down. And I know, some of you might be thinking, man, Justin, that was a terrible thing. Why would you do that? Believe me, we understood the foundation of our friendship. We understood that at the end of the day, this was going to be a funny story that was going to be a sermon analogy. No, um, uh, we understood that at the end of the day, we were going to laugh about this. And as angry as he was at the beginning, he was able to see past his failed expectations of a clean and tidy room, and he saw us beyond it. He saw us, his friends, beyond the anger and the frustration, and he realized, wait a minute. This was good. He can appreciate a well-timed prank, joke. Friends, today, in the midst of our failed expectations, in the midst of our anger and frustration, can you see your brother or sister in Christ beyond the failed expectations? Things go imperfectly here in the church, outside the church, with brothers and sisters in Christ all the time. Can you see past the failed expectations and see the heart of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Can you see the Holy Spirit working in them? Yes, they may have hurt you. Yes, they may have offended you. But can you see them through it and then say, you know what? I'm going to talk to them, but I'm not going to be swinging in life. I will take a surgical scalpel full of truth and love and I will help them understand what needs to be done. Why is it so important that we are different than the world in this area? Because we understand as a body of Christians unified in one body and one spirit, we understand that we is better than me. We unified, we together. We are most effective when we are together. But when it's only about me, I then isolate everybody else around me. And I, me, I can't do this on my own. And this is what we are called to understand daily. The unity of a body of Christians is the only way in which full potential growth can occur. But when I'm only focused on me, when I am only thinking about how things will affect me, or how the church can serve me, or how the church hasn't served me to my expectations. I then deprive not only myself, but everybody involved in this local body from a true potential spiritual growth. We is better than me, even in the midst of offenses and hurt. But there is one more part to this question, one more answer that we have to come to the conclusion of. The ultimate answer, honestly. And so we're going to be moving from Ephesians 4. We're going to jump into Philippians 2 real quick. And I just want to read this together. 
I want us to sit in this together. I want us to see exactly what is going on. And we're going to be in Philippians 2, and it says this. In your relationships, relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, today, if there's one thing that we need to be taking away from this word, is that when we love our neighbors, when we truly love our neighbors well, when we decide that we're not going to start swinging a knife, when we decide to not go and show somebody how wrong they were, we begin to become more like Jesus. When we decide that even though our way was better, when we decide that even though the other person drives us us up a wall, when we decide that even though someone made that little slight side comment that seemed to be like one of those backhanded compliments and that's driving us up a wall all week long, when we decide that we're going to love them, that we're going to love first, we become more like Jesus Friends, as this says, Christ loved us to the point of dying for us. All I'm asking today is, are you you even willing to have a conversation with somebody in a loving way? Today, I'm I'm, I'm suggesting that instead of wielding our swords, ready to fight for our expectations, that we train and practice and we learn what it is to give truth in the midst of love truth in the midst of love. Why is it so important? Why is it so important that we learn to love our neighbor and be different than the world? Because it is what Jesus did. When we, when a, when a fellow Christian offends us, when they hurt us, when they disregard us, and we still decide to love them in the midst of that hurt and pain and offense, the world sees Jesus. Jesus took last place among humans because he was more concerned with glorifying the Father than receiving glory from man. My question to us this week is where is your focus? Where are you getting your glory? Who are you concentrated on getting glory this week? We get upset when things don't go our way because we want the glory. We want appreciation. We want things to be fair for us but we need to analyze our frustrations and check our relationship with God. We need to reflect on where our priorities sit and focus, focus on the fact that it's not us who can do all things beyond our imagination, but it was Jesus from the very beginning. You know, there was a time in this past year, there was a time in this past year to where I was given an opportunity to lead, to lead a group of individuals. And in this opportunity, I did not lead well. 
and I knew I did not lead well. And in the midst of these individuals, there was a long-standing member and leader of this church. This person had come for me to lead them. And in the course of that evening, in the midst of me not leading them well, their expectation of me leading was failed. And I knew it. They knew it. Everybody knew it. I come to church the next morning. And this person shows up to my office. And I knew exactly what he was doing there. I knew exactly why he had come. And I was a little nervous. But what was amazing in this situation is that even though I had failed his expectations, he had come so that I could lead him and lead the group and everything like that. And in the midst of failing him, in the midst of him coming into my office, he didn't yell. He didn't reprimand. He didn't concentrate on saying, I could have done this better. You failed. This was your mistake. No, 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 no. He sat me down. He reminded me of my purpose. He pointed out my mistake, but he reminded me of my purpose. And he encouraged me to be better. He didn't focus on the mistake in and of itself. He came in order to restore. He came in order to encourage. He came to share truth through the means of a surgical scalpel instead of a wielding sword. So that I might be able to grow in Christ in that moment. And I left that conversation a better Christian because this individual learned what it meant to love his neighbor well. When I look back at the situation, I don't see him in my nervousness. I see Jesus helping me in my journey because this individual had allowed Jesus to work in their life. He wasn't concerned about getting his glory or telling me how wrong I was. He wanted to make me a better leader. Because at the end of the day, how we love our neighbors is a good indicator of our relationship with God. Why is it important to learn to love our neighbor and be different than the world around us? Because our calling takes us deeper than ourselves. Because we is better than me, and because it is what Jesus did. Who in your life, who in your life have you isolated yourself from because they've offended or hurt you? I can think of a number of individuals. Man, this was, this was a tough week for me to sit through. As I was convicted by the Spirit in my own life about the way I talk or think or interact with somebody because of what they did to me or my failed expectations. And then I'm reminded that person, they've placed their faith in Jesus. So they too have the Holy Spirit working in them and they too are imperfect just as I am imperfect. Will you love your neighbor this week? Will you maintain every effort? Will you keep every effort to maintain the peace? Will you bear with them in agape love, just as the Father endures us in agape love? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we know that our ability to love is only because you have first loved us. And we thank you, and we, and we plead, Father, 
that you would make this a reality in our lives. That your will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. God, make your love a reality in my life. Give me the strength and the encouragement and the perseverance to not isolate myself from those who have hurt me or offended me, but to see them, to see their heart beyond the frustration and the failed expectations. Help me to understand that we is better than me, that I don't have all the answers, but Lord, that you can do far more than I could ever imagine. Be with us this week. Bless our conversations, bless our friendships, bless our relationships with our neighbors. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Be blessed. Bear with one another. Love your neighbor. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.